Good morning, everyone. It's really lucky to be here again. Um, yeah, it wasn't too long ago, so hopefully, but anyway, um, my, I'm here with my wife. I don't know where she is right now. There she is, running around with our little, our, our youngest one, and we've got two other daughters. They're in kids' church so far, or we'll see how long that lasts. Um, but then also I've got a whole group of young adults, one community here that's joining me. You guys can just wave, um, and another family as well. And so it's lacquer for us to, to come and visit here. The thing is, we're all one church. Um, we can so easily just think of ourselves as we are Brackenfell or we are H Mid AM, but actually we're all one. And so um, it's really lacquer to, to be coming here to you guys today. Amen. So this morning, as I start, I just felt um, in just praying for this time, just felt like the Lord laid a, a word on my heart for you as Brackenfell. Um, and it's just a word of encouragement um, slash prophetic word kind of thing. Um, I just felt the Lord say that you are a blessing. He just showed me just that you are a blessing to the church. And that's what's in his heart. And so I want to say to you, well done. Well done for giving yourself. Um, but I felt like the Lord showed me that, that in you being a blessing, that it's not just because of one person, uh, a gifted leader or worship leader. I know you guys got a, I think you're the only congregation that's got a drama team or a media team kind of thing. And it, it's not because of those things. But it's because of your togetherness. And that is something I feel in the Lord that the Lord is encouraging. And the Lord is saying, love one another. That the optimal place for you for growth and for functioning is actually when you are together and you build one another up and you do so in a way that glorifies God. Amen. And so this morning, I want to say to you, well done for being here at church. Okay. Well done for making the choice to be obedient to the Word of God, because the, the Word encourages us to not neglect the gathering of the saints. And so, well done for being here this morning. Well done for standing up early um, and coming, committing yourself to be here. There's a lot of other places you could have been. Like, the waves are looking pretty good at Musenberg this morning. I myself, if I was not preaching, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> now, well done for being here. You could have gone and played golf. You could have gone and go walk on the promenade and just have a coffee and a croissant. And just, we could have laid in. It's been a busy week. It's a whole nother busy week that's starting tomorrow. But yet you chose to be here. And so I want to say to you, well done. We, we can't take these things for granted. But at the same time, that commitment that you made, it's not just to, to, to God, but it's also to one another. Amen. Cool. Let me pray for us. Father, I just want to thank you for your church. I want to thank you that you uh, saved our lives. You brought us out of darkness, and you brought us into this marvelous light, God. And there where you've brought us into the light, God, your, your word says that we find fellowship with one another. And I, and I thank you this morning, God, that we're coming to a family um, that is all part of the living God. And this morning, as we go into your word, God, I pray that your word will um, fall on good soil in our hearts. 
I pray this morning, God, that you, you will come and that you will work in us and that you'll move in us. God, we want this morning an encounter with the one true God. We're not here to be swayed by, um, by, by good words or, or clever speech, God, or even a worship song that makes us emotional, God. We're here this morning because we, we firstly look at you and we say, God, we want to be captivated by you afresh and anew every time we look at you. And so in this, in this time, God, I pray that you will come and encounter our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start us off this morning with a scripture in Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. And so we can read together. We're reading out of the NIV. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself, as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to, be, to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his Spirit. Beautiful. It's like, God doesn't just make us individually his own, but it's actually saying like there's something of me in each and every person that's sitting around you right now. There's an aspect of God and a perspective of God, a real encounter, a testimony of God, what he's done in the people around you. And those things are so tangible. It's like to some degree God is sitting right next to you. And you can experience and hear and find something of God that you do yourself have not yet seen or heard or experienced. And God is saying like he brings all these people together and he weaves us into this or builds us like stones into this building of which Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, what that means is that that cornerstone, it's that one stone, and I mean, we've heard the teaching about it, but it is this one stone that keeps kind of the whole building rests on that one stone. But at the same time, the cornerstone by itself is just a cornerstone. But God comes and He says, I'm going to place my son as the cornerstone. But each and every one of you I build into this building, and together we form a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. Together, He makes us to have a place of where God dwells and wants to dwell. And that is amazing. I know that not any one of us here this morning came to church going like, man, I hope I'm not going to see God today. Amen? No, we come because we want to see God. We come because we want to meet with Him. These, these things in our hearts and things in our lives that we know like, man, I don't have what it takes to overcome this or to, to get hold of this. Or, or actually, I'm so thirsty. I need the living God because I've tasted and I've seen everything around me. But the one thing that I know that I know where I'm going to be made whole and find freedom is that place where I meet with God. That's why we are here this morning. And that is great. 
And I believe that's that encouragement at the beginning that I said, like, the Lord is looking at you and He's saying, you're a blessing. But I do believe this morning that as we're sitting here, that there's more for us. So a question. Is being here and sitting here this morning, is that enough? Just think about it. Is it enough to just come to church? I've done all the effort. I've, like, I've done everything I can do. And now I come and I sit here and I go, like, okay, I'm here. I'm at it. Do you think that God just wants you to come to church, sit down, be nice, smile, and just listen and just take in? And as you sit and listen, there's all these so-called experts. I'm not one of them, but experts and people that are gifted in worship and all these things and speaking. And, and they come and they tell you about God, and you just get to take it in. You think that that is enough? No. And I know we know this. I see it's not enough. This morning was such a great picture of actually what church looks like. And please, worship team, like I hope I'm not defending you now. But this morning, the worship didn't depend on the worship team. It depended on each and every one of us bringing what we have. Someone brought a word, someone brought encouragement, someone brought a song. But even in those things, in adding to how we come to lift up God's name and how we come to together glorify God, it needed each and every one of us to have some form of understanding and revelation and unction in our hearts to together lift up song to God and worship Him together. It needed each and every one of us here this morning. See, otherwise it was just the worship team singing songs. And that's not what we are here for. No, we are here to glorify God together. And it's easy in worship because there's a song that plays and there's a melody and we can, you know, join in. Whether you're singing false or not, it doesn't matter because, like, your voice gets taken up and all the other voices. And so it's easy to add. But there's other areas, I believe, in the church and in our lives where the invitation of God is, come, don't just sit there, don't just receive, but it's come and give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. We all know this. There's more to this. So let's read Romans 13, verse 8 to 10. It says this. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love the la your neighbor as you love yourself. Love does no wrong to your neighbor. Therefore, love 
is the fulfilling of the law. Jesus doesn't come, or, or God in Scripture doesn't come and say, no, no, sing together, make coffee together. Like those things, they happen. But actually the thing why they happen is because we love one another. We come to church to come and serve. See, when I come to church and I come and do the coffee and the tea, I'm not just doing coffee and tea. I'm not working out something for me to be saved or to be accepted by God. No, 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 no. Nina said that beautifully this morning. We've already been accepted. We've already been made. Like the, the way has been made clear. I don't need to work for that thing. No, no, no. When I come and I give coffee and I give someone a coffee and I'm like, hey, there's a coffee. There's something of where, where I'm going like he's got something of Jesus inside of him. And I need that part for my perspective. And so when I give him that coffee, I'm like, I'm, I'm sowing into that. I'm loving because I know that as I love, something that's going to happen is this, that love is going to come back. Jesus said that he loved us first. And so as we come to know him and as we come to spend time with him, a natural process that happens is we take on his nature and we take on his character. And so if his character is to receive or to, to, to invite in, not received, but to invite and to bring in and to love first and to give, then how much more are we to become those that invite in, that love first? There's this thing, um, I'm not a big guy on flowers, like I know how to give flowers to my wife, but in terms of growing flowers, I've got the opposite of green fingers, okay? I've got black fingers. Doesn't look like it, but plants, fake plants die around me. Um, but there's this thing of this idea that if you take a rose and you put it into, into this colored water, that you can actually change the color of the rose. And we are very much like that. That as we are dunked and dipped into Jesus, we take on the color, the character, the nature of who he is. That's what's meant to happen. And so when I serve and when I do things and love people, I'm doing it firstly because it's his nature and his character that's coming through me. But at the same time, there's this desire in me to see more of him. And this morning, that is my encouragement to us. John 13, verse 34 says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Amazing. He did it first. Now we take on his character and his nature. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. And then comes this beautiful verse. By this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that is both something that's, that's meant for the people in the church, like the people around you, but it's also something that's meant for those outside the church. 
But if we so easily love outside of the church, but the moment it comes to people in the church, then we start getting all bent out of shape and looking scared at things, then we've got to realize that there's something wrong. Cancer is that thing of where your body actually starts attacking itself. And in the church, when one doesn't love another one and doesn't make an effort to love, what's actually happening is that there's a fighting. There's like a, there's the, a one part of the body that's trying to fight against another part of the body. And it starts creating all kinds of yucky things. Now, I know that's a graphic picture, but it's actually the reality of what happens in us. And when I look at Scripture and I look at Jesus' encouragement to the disciples throughout Scripture, and then Paul, one of the biggest and most prominent encouragements that there is, is for us to preserve unity. And not just to preserve it, but to build it. To make every effort to encourage. To make every effort to build and love towards the person right next to you. And then in this scripture, you can just put it up again in verse 35. Jesus says, like, if you do this, actually, that is what shows people that you and me are part of Him. It's not our preachers. It is not how we can recite scripture or how loud we can sing or how good we can play the guitar. No, 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 no. The way that shows that we are part of Him, that we are built into this building that is a dwelling place and being made a dwelling place, is by the way I love you and you love me. So church, this morning, as you're sitting there, you know, man, if that guy stands up again, or if that person sings, or if that person speaks, there's something that happens here in our hearts. <laughs> and this morning, I want to come for that. This morning, I want to come for that thing. Because see, we can say all these things, like in Scripture it says you can speak the languages of angels. But if you have not love, you've got nothing. If you have not love, even your music and your instruments, it sounds like a clanging of cymbals. And it's not just to have love. No, no, no. It's to love one another. I remember there was a saying um, when I was, in a sense, in the early days of, getting sa of being saved, where you kind of like, I know I've done it a few times, you justify why you feel a certain way. And it's like, we need to love one another, but we don't have to like one another. <laughs> if I don't like you, I'm going to struggle to love you, no matter how many times I say it. See, and I think that is the beauty of the gospel. It's in a sense the, the craziness, like really like it's just this idea that I just go like thinking like God like, wow. Like, this game, is, it's proof that God is not from this world. Because anything from this world would tell us that 
in a sense, I'm sorry for Afrikaans, for those that are English, soort soek soort. Birds of a feather dwell together. Like everything in this world tells us, go to where the, the interest lies. Go to where you have people that have got something in common with you. No, no, but the gospel comes, and Jesus comes, he says, it's no longer just Jews. See, that was the common thing. They were born together in the same nation. They were like, we, we share this thing. No, 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 it's not Jews and Gentiles. It's actually, it's the whole world. Everyone to come together. And I'm pretty sure in that day, the Jews would have gone like, you mean that's the Samaritans as well? I mean, these guys were looking at the Samaritans and they were thinking, these guys are cockroaches. And it's that one as well. And it's, it's actually, it's the Philistines. Do you know what the Philistines did to us? Jesus coming saying, no, no, no. The love that I pour out into your hearts enables you to no longer see Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, Philistine. No, no, no. It allows you to see me. It's the way I will be shown to the world as true. It's when we can come together, different people from different places, different backgrounds, different cultures, and we're united, we're built into this oneness of where Jesus is the center. And go, man, that brother hurt me, but I, I will forgive him. Because there's no chance that I'm going to lose this thing, this, this thing that he did in my heart, Jesus. There's no chance I'm going to give even one moment, even one step where I want to lose that. Because what makes me part and what unites me in is the fact that I can become like him and I love others, even though they've hurt me and they've did the wrong thing to me and they made mistakes with me. I can guarantee you here this morning that the person that you think that hurt you, there's no way that any one person goes to somebody else and go, today, Donnie, I'm going to really hurt you. And then you try and hurt him. That doesn't happen. Now, people always try their best. Sometimes the things that we do, and I mean, I don't know of any situations. I'm just saying this is what I'm feeling the Lord spoke to me about. But each and every person tries their best. And sometimes, even in trying our best, we make mistakes. But we make mistakes because we're not perfect. And we're not perfect yet because Jesus hasn't come yet. If we were perfect, there would be no need for Jesus to come at all. So the very fact that Jesus came is a sign to us, and it's a thing of where we need to go. That box where we expect people to treat me perfectly, say everything the right way, and make sure that I am handled the right way in every situation, every second, da 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 da, da that box, we need to kill it. Because Jesus has come because... We cannot do this. We cannot be perfect. We cannot get ourselves to be in right standing with God. It's impossible. And so he comes and he invites us in. And he says, now, I've saved you and I've made sure that you are now acceptable before him. That you can come to your father, that you can see him, that you can find new life and love him. But in that way now, I want to say to you, what has been done to you, now go do to others. 
That's crazy. Jesus is so just different. Because he could have just taken all that glory for himself. And says, no, 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 Father, I will show the world and all these evil people in the world how good I am and I will save them and I will do it all by myself. No, Jesus didn't say that. No, he came, gave up his place within the, the Trinity, made himself a man, gave his life over so that each and every one of us can come to him and through him to the Father. And as we come through, he says, like, Father, this is not just mine. No, no, no. I want to include them. I want to make them part of this, what I'm doing. And when I look at that, I go like, oh, Lord, I'm so prideful. I think so much of myself. Even Jesus, he's like not elevating himself. He's just saying, come. Come join me in it. In Edge Meet, last week, I, I preached to our congregation. And um, I used this analogy of fertilizer and parasites. Fertilizer, you throw it on the grass, and it is, in a sense, something that is dead or died. It's, you know, it's... And as it kind of releases its nutrients, it f feeds the grass, and the grass grows. I had a patch of grass in my backyard that really was just sand, um, and planted grass, and kind of, but I got this fertilizer that was like the super fertilizer um, from a friend. And I started throwing this stuff and watering the garden and throwing it, and, and man, I've got a patch of grass that is... I said to my wife, this is not going to work because she wanted grass. And I'm like, this is not going to work. I knew it was going to be effort, okay? And so I was like, this is not going to work. Look at the sand. Nothing can grow here. And eventually, slowly, fertilizer, water, fertilizer, water, care for it, cut it. And man, I've got green grass. A parasite, on the other hand, a parasite goes and it sits on something that is healthy. Or something that is alive. And it tries and preserves its life. It takes out all the nutrients, all the life, everything that's in there, and it feeds itself. Gives nothing back, but it feeds itself. So again, I had a tree. I'm not a gardener, but God speaks to me through my garden. <laughs> I had a tree. And this tree, there was parts of the tree that was green, but there was parts of this tree that was like branches and things that was dead. And a guy that's doing my garden, I said, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. You're the guy that does the garden. Like, you should know what to do here. And he's like, look, this might look like a tree. And it probably was a tree. But what it is right now is actually it's a parasite. A parasite latched onto it, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And what looked like a tree to me was actually something that was taking a life and already killed the tree, but it was taking life. And so we're like, hey. So he's like, the only thing you should do actually is to cut it out. And so we take this tree and we cut it out of a garden. And in the same way, for us, 
we actually are, to some degree, one of these two things. Where you go and where you're part of, you either add life or you take life. You either try and lose your life, Jesus said, if you lose your life, or if you try and let me just now, I'm not paraphrasing and I'm making myself demacario. If you try and win your life or gain your life, you will lose it. But if you try and, if you lose your life for me and for my name, you will gain life and life eternal. And it's very much parasite and fertilizer. And so here for us, as we're sitting here this morning, I want to say to you this, that we're meant to add to each other. We're meant to build up. We're meant to encourage. We're meant to build into. We're meant to expose our lives one to another. In Acts 2, it says that everything in common, and this is the foundation upon, in a sense, we as a church, that we build church and the model of church on. And that everything in common doesn't mean that everybody had vans or uh, blowball brookie or like, no, 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 no. It meant that there was something of an understanding of why they are together, of what unites them. What unites us is Jesus. And if it's Jesus that unites us, then the call upon our lives is to add to one another, to encourage one another, to love one another. If it's Jesus. And just maybe two things, call it freebies. If people do not see your bad side, you're probably not really here. If all they see is the good things and the encouragement and the good word or the family is always happy, you're probably not really here. Because again, as much as I'm being saved continuously, you are still being saved and transformed into the likeness of Him. And one day when He comes back, that is the day when everything will be revealed and we will take on the new nature, the perfect nature that He has for us. See, the most difficult people in church to deal with is people that think of themselves as perfect. I've got time and time and time for anybody that is broken and wants to come to Jesus to get that brokenness healed. And I will hold your hand and I will encourage you and I will be there with you, I'll cry with you, I'll laugh with you all through that. Because there's a seeing that Jesus needs to save me. And I go, that's why I'm here. That's why you are here. It's to encourage those around you to love God, to come to Him, to allow Him to work inside of you. But see, we come and we think, okay, Jesus saved me. 
So now I need to look the perfect picture. Because I'm not a Christian. Facebook messages and little posts of scriptures. WhatsApp status is always just like living the best life. <laughs> Hashtag, sorry. I'm getting, I'm, I'm older now. See, it is impossible to add life if there's offenses and hurts and disappointments that you're not willing to open up about. You're not willing to bring it into the light. 1 John 1, 7 says to us that as He, Jesus, is in the light, so we come into the light, and in the light we have fellowship with one another in the light, not in the darkness, not one in the light, one in the darkness. No, in the light we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. His blood doesn't cleanse us in sin in the darkness. No, He brings us into the light, and then He cleanses us. See, His light is shines. It shines in us, and as it shines in us, darkness flees. And there's that moment where we come and we give our life to Him. And that's a moment where it's like, okay, Lord, you've come and you've overwhelmed me. But after that moment, church, we need to run to Him. Because now He's given us the ability to approach Him. Because previously you couldn't approach Him. But now through Jesus... He's given us the ability to approach Him. So now, when there's things in our lives, we need to run to Him. I often say this, that for us as Christians, not the unsaved coming into Christ and getting saved, for us as Christians, we can't wait for conviction. We oftentimes live like this. You kind of do your thing, and you, you know to some degree what you're doing is not the best thing, but you kind of go, okay, the Lord knows my heart, and He will convict me, you know, when He needs to, you know. We kind of find a way to justify that. Now, if you're a Christian, and you love Jesus, so let me cancel that word of Christian, okay? If you love Jesus, and He's in your heart, the prayer in your life and the way you talk, it's not Jesus will convict me. No, no, no. It's actually, Jesus, I give myself to you. Would you come and give me a pure heart and clean hands? I need to run towards conviction. I don't wait for conviction. Why? Because if I wait for conviction, there's the possibility that I might be actually in a sense, that there's something in between me and him, and I might not know it. But if I run towards conviction, I'm saying, God, whatever there is in front of me, whatever it is that's keeping me from you, I want it removed, God. Even the things that I don't know, the things that I'm not aware of. Because what I want, Jesus, is I want you and you alone. I don't want to preserve myself. No, 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 God. I want you. Because this body, me, what people think of me, what they know of me, what I've done in this world, all of these things will one day burn up and go away and it will be ash that nobody knows about. 
But if I have you, I have you for eternity. And that is what is most important. One Corinthians fourteen twenty six. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Again, this morning, the church is being built up. God doesn't ask for it to look good. He doesn't ask for it to be pretty. He doesn't ask for it to be amazing and this well-structured or well-ordered meeting. No, no, no. He says, build it up. And everything that we build, even our best attempts, is going to look like my two-year-old that's building a castle. So she builds a castle on our bed in the mornings when we want to sleep. And she takes all the pillows that's there, and it's really just all the pillows are on the bed. And then she goes and sits in the middle of the pillows and goes, Daddy, look, I built castle. And I think for us, we look the same way, even on our best efforts in terms of building church and looking what this looks like. It's actually from God's perspective. It's like you put a whole bunch of cushions around you, and you're sitting in the middle, and you're saying, Daddy, look, church. Castle. So God is not looking for perfect. He's looking for those willing to accept and receive the love that is given. And when that thing is like that rose that's in that water, it cannot but take on the color of the water. This morning there was a, a word, actually two words, so Danielle, Danielle brought a word at prayer meeting where she said about grass, the, she was looking at the turf and saying it looks green. It's from the outside, it looks like, yo, this school has got an amazing grass. But when you come close to it, you realize this is plastic. It's, it's not real. And so for many of us, we look like that. Like our lives, like I said in the beginning, like, uh, like everybody is smiling, the teeth is white, the shoes are clean, like family is happy, and, but it's not, it's not real grass. My grass that is green, even though it's green and full of life, I know it because I see it grow. These patches where because of sun and this that kind of dies and then comes alive again, so it doesn't look perfect. It doesn't look like some kind of a golf course. But it's alive, and it's real. And uh, one of our, the young adults, Charlene, had a word in the same thing. In the same way where she saw this jacket and a person in the dark wearing this jacket that looked good. And, but as the person came into the light, she saw it wasn't a person, but it actually was a rat. And feeling like God, God is not looking for what we hold up, the masks, the things. No, he's looking for real. So we are being built together as church. And it's not a physical building with gems and gold, and, but it's a building that's built in hearts. 
In Exodus 25, we see where God comes and He speaks, and well, you can keep it up for me, but He speaks to Moses, and He says to Moses, I want you to build the sanctuary and the, and the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle. And, and He goes into verse 1 and 2, and He says this, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And that's actually a very beautiful, does it say, tell the Israel to bring me an offering, receive an offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. And so he speaks to Moses and he says to Moses, Moses, you need to speak to my people. And obviously God knows that as Moses speaks to his people, the people are going to hear God's voice. And in that moment where the people hear his voice, he calls for them. He, he says there's going to be a response in their heart. And as the response in their heart comes, they are going to give towards the building. This morning, I want to ask you, what is the voice of God prompting you this morning? To give. To add. To love. Maybe... Maybe the question should be, is God prompting anything in your heart? Because maybe for some of us here this morning, there's offenses and there's hurts and disappointments where actually there's no space for God to come and speak. And then in Exodus 25, just a little bit down in verse 8, he says this. And so the people bring gold and gems and all the things and wood from this and that. And then it, in verse 8, it says, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Who wants God to dwell among us? You can put up your hand. I want to, I like. See, God dwelling among us is not dependent on me, on Donnie, on the eldership, on Roland and Patty, on the worship team. No, no, no. It's each and every one of us. It's like that first scripture said, that we are being built together into this building. Jesus is the cornerstone for a dwelling place. And that's what we want here. And if my heart is not towards my brother, or these things that I know that I know I'm not sorting out, then I'm going to ask you the question, is can God come and dwell in your heart? Can he unction you? Can he speak to you? And so I want to end off with this. And it's just going to be a scripture that is a little bit of like a prayer. Well, it is a prayer. And so maybe if we can close our eyes. Colossians 1 verse 9 says this. 
And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. This morning as you sit there, and your eyes are closed, and just, I want to ask you in this moment to actually run to conviction. To run to God and say, God, I want clean hands and I want a pure heart. God, if there's anything in my heart that is towards people and your church, the people in your church, leaders or somebody that's maybe hurt me, and to come and say, Lord, would you help me? being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Endurance and patience are things that we need for people around us, for us to endure them sometimes, but also to have patience with them. And He's saying that He wants us to have that in a way that is joyful and, and cheerful and going like, there's, there's something that we see more than just what we've got to endure and go through. And that's towards people. It's towards our brothers and our sisters. It enables us to love. And so I want to ask this morning, as you're sitting there, that if you know that there's something in your heart I want to ask you this morning, just there where you're at, if you can stand with me, if you know that there's something that's kept you and something that has made it difficult for you to add and to give yourself, even just the slightest of shadows, don't you just want to sh stand with me and present yourself to God in this moment? Thank you, Lord.
So I want to ask this morning, that as these guys are standing, see, the call is for us to love one another. What they have done in this moment is to bring themselves with great boldness before the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm failing in an area. I'm showing the dirty laundry. Being real here, God. But the strength is not just in them doing it, actually. The strength is in each and every one of us coming around them and saying, we are family, we are together, Jesus unites us. And he's given us the strength to love one another. So I want to ask that there where we're sitting around them, can we together stand up and lay our hands around those? And I, like, yeah. So I want to call all of us to that. Amen? So can we come around these guys that's sitting here and just pray for them? And it's not like they need to hear your prayers. We can all just pray for them together in your own language, in your own way, and just bless them and say, we're going to come around you and we're going to love you and we're going to trust God with you. And so if you stood and nobody's praying for you, just put up your hand so that we can see you. And I want to encourage you, don't just stay in your seats, but come alongside these guys. Stand up and join, even if it looks like there isn't space. You can pray. We, we, we can be loud. <laughs> We're a loud church. Yes, Lord. Father, we want to thank you for each and every person that stood here this morning, God. Each and every person, God, that says, like, I don't want to be stuck anymore on what I'm feeling, God. Stuck in this offense or stuck in pride or stuck in this thing that's keeping me back, God. And we want to lift them up to you, God, in this moment and say, thank you, Lord, that you are working and that you want to work in them, God. And so we pray for a deep work, a deep working in their hearts, God, to bring themselves to you and before you in an even greater way. And we pray for us, God, as the church, that we will come around them and love them, God, that you will enable us and strengthen us to love them with the love that you have loved us with, God. So we come, Lord, and we praise and honor your name for this. And as a church, God, we pray this morning and we say, would you come, God, and would you help us in order to be real with one another? Help us in order to love one another. Help us to add to each other's lives and build one another up in your way and in your knowledge and in your love and in who you are, God. So we want to come and say thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
Amen. I want to encourage you, if you're still praying for somebody, carry on praying for them. If you feel like that there's something more for them, um, this is not a, a weird thing in us. We love to pray for one another. I want to encourage you to um, please remember your kids. They are, um, we love them, but we would love you to take them home with you. <laughs> and then thank you for this morning. Thank you for being such an amazing group of people. Please come and join us for some cookies and some coffee afterwards. And I pray that you will have an amazing week. And um, you know, find moments in this week where you can encourage and build up those around you. Amen.